0: My name is Jeff. I'm filling in for Dan today. Um, he is off on vacation. I think he went to the Macy's Day Parade. That's pretty cool. So, you know, around the holidays, you get, like, the fun size candies. This is the fun size worship team. We decided everyone that plays on that side of the stage wasn't cool enough to be here today, so... <laughs> But I kid, we're so thankful for you guys this morning. So thankful for the team up here and uh, we're going to worship God. So please stand with us as we uh, do that.
1: songs
0: be a sign we are here for you we are here
1: for you let your breath come from heaven fill our hearts with your life
0: we are here for you We are here for you.
1: To you our hearts are open, nothing is here. A show coming We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging seas. My God, he holds the victory. Let's join the house of the Lord. Let's join the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We'll shout out our praise and the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We'll shout out our praise. We sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes a way Cause He hung upon on that cross And He rose up from the grave My God still rolls His souls away Sing it out! Let's join the house of the Lord Let's join the house of the Lord today And we won't be quiet We'll shout out our praise the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord see praise. Sing it again. We were the beggars, now we're royalty. Just one word You calm the storm that surrounds me Just one word The darkness has to retreat Just one touch I feel the presence of heaven Just one touch my eyes are open to see, my heart can't help but believe There's nothing there that- That let all of be. there's no power
0: your name this morning, remembering your power and your promise, that you will not forsake us, you will not let us down. There's nothing that our God can't do. There's no power like the power of Jesus. We sing these words this morning, and we just Pray that you make them true in our lives and in our hearts. In our daily lives, not just in what we say, but in what we do, Lord. and How we treat our neighbor and our family and our friends and strangers. We love you, Lord. Please be with us. Amen.
2: Well, good morning, Sunrise family. How are we doing today? I had like two people really excited, and the rest of you guys are like, I just, I'm just still in food coma. <laughs> hey, who in here uh, had a good Thanksgiving? Did anyone have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah? Even though the Lions lost, it was still a good Thanksgiving, right? Now, I have a question. Who in here would say that turkey is your favorite part of the Thanksgiving meal? That's about accurate, okay? (laughs) Who would say it's the mashed potatoes and gravy? All right, who would say it is the stuffing? That would be me. Y'all are blessed, and you know it. Who likes cranberry sauce, right? And are are we doing the stuff that, like, slides out of the can and wiggles, or are we doing, like, actual... All right, and then the last one, of course, is... Oh, I, I heard... Who in here, their favorite part is the dinner rolls. <laughs> all right, fair enough, fair enough. Well, we're so glad to see you all this morning. Uh, it is a great Sunday, especially because Michigan won yesterday. That's my quick plug. Go blue. And uh, But hey, we have a few announcements for you all. And the first one is this, is if you have already signed up for the Family Advent Activity Bag right you can pick yours up in the lobby and if you have not signed up for one but would like to there is still time everyone say there's still time time. beautiful you can register on the website where that was a little scary on the website on the slide and uh you can pick up yours next sunday the first week of advent i can't believe we are already into the advent season that's crazy Also, Pub Theology is in two weeks on December 5 at, actually I believe that's next week, uh, at Two Guys Brewing. If you would like more information, please contact Noah Matice. Noah also, at this time, we'd also like to remind you uh, of the ways that you can support us here at Sunrise through your faithful giving. You can give online. You can give uh, by good old-fashioned envelope. You can mail it in or drop it in on the box or through our website. All right, so at this time, we're going to dismiss the kids and have everyone stand up. If you'd like to grab a cup of coffee, use the restroom, or greet your neighbor now is never mind this is a family service Cory needs his coffee that's what happened Cory needs his coffee we're just gonna pretend that none of that just happened all right go ahead and stand up and greet your neighbor
3: all right everybody if we could uh, get back to our seats we're gonna go ahead and get started Pat came up to me just a minute ago and said uh, you know, I didn't... So, I'm, I'm Dennis. I'm your pastor. I'm not the guest speaker. Um, this just means that I've, I've not done laundry um, in a while. So, uh, yeah, good morning. So, last year at this time, my dear friend Dale, one of the kindest people I know, did me a great harm and great hurt. When he walked in after the game last year in the horseshoe, as most of you know, I'm a a Mountaineer by birth and that's who I root for. But when I went away to college, I met a lot of Michigan fans and then married a Buckeye. And those two things forced me to become a Ohio State fan. It was primarily the meeting the Michigan fans. And uh, so Dale came in and last year and he gave this to me, right? He gave this to me and he said, you got to put this on, right? You got to put this on, you got to put this on. And um, so friends, this is how I am, right? I kept this all year. I kept it, it was on my shelf. And my fervent prayer and hope for the last year was that I could come in today and I could make my dear friend traipse up here and I could give him back this hat. Oh man. Man, it burns. (laughs) It burns my head. (laughs) Today, I'm going to. Thanks, Joe. Joe's like, boo! Get off the stage. I am thankful for people that love me enough to give me a hard time. Amen. You thank you. I don't even, Benjamin, was that you? All right. Well, maybe a little less. Um, today, today we're going to to continue on in our series, and today we're going to talk about this this idea of what it means to be an image bearer and how the gospel is entailed in in all of that. And we're going to continue to look in Deuteronomy chapter uh, chapter five, and we're going to look at a few verses. Deuteronomy chapter five, verses eight through through ten. And that's, that's going to be our, our text today, but, but but I want you to think with me as we're reading through and as we're, we're we're preaching through this text today. I want us to be reminded that the Ten Commandments, my friends, aren't just a list of legal codes for us to follow. They they weren't even really originally given to the children of Israel as a list of do's and don'ts to follow. They were a part of a story. They were a part of a People's story that Moses was telling them, that God through Moses was telling them and reminding them of who they were, of where they had come from, and essentially why they mattered. This weekend, as, or this week, as, as most of you know, um, had a couple of firsts for our family. It was the first weekend without Mom. But it's the first Thanksgiving uh, without both moms, actually. If you, if you remember, uh, it will be a year ago uh, this Wednesday when Amy lost her mom last year. And I, I was telling Denny and, and Dale and Andrew before the service that, that there was a moment where I got blindsided this weekend as I was, I was down setting up the kids' table at Pat and Jerry's house. See? Pat and Jerry's house. And the sense of motherlessness, right? It just hits me. Some, right, some of you have been there. And that sense of, of, of motherlessness just sort of, of, of overcame me. And, and I talked to my dad on, on Thanksgiving night. And, and it was interesting to hear him talk about the fact that even as we sat around the table with everyone there, everyone wasn't there. And for me, the the antidote to some of those things, not that there's an antidote, not that you get over it, not not that there's, but but it's to remember some of the stories that have Right, the memories that I hold in the heart, of, and one of my favorite memories, specifically of of Pat, surrounds another funeral, uh, another passing, the passing of Amy's grandmother, Pat's mom, B. Now, Grandma Bush, she was country as cornbread. She she was born and raised and grew up and raised her children um, in a little coal camp called Keoke, Virginia. Now, if, if you've ever read, I, so Amy tells me there's some of these Christian romance novels that are based in a place called Big Stone Gap, Virginia. Does that ring a bell to anybody? Somebody's nodding your hand. Okay, right? Big Stone Gap is a real place. And my mother-in-law grew up in a little coal camp about 20 minutes outside of Big Stone Gap called Keoke, Virginia. And when grandmother Bush passed away, um, we drove down, we gathered up, we drove down to Big Stone Gap. I performed the funeral. Uh, we did the, the internment. My boys and, and some of the other uh, grandsons and great-grandsons were pallbearers, and it was just a—it was—it was a. This sounds strange, but it was a really good family gathering. But one of the greatest gifts that we received, from my perspective, on that trip was that all seven of us loaded up in our minivan and we drove to Big Stone Gap, and we we, we performed the mournful errand of returning Grandma Bush back to the earth. The day after the funeral, Pat took us to the little coal camp where she grew up. And as we drove this windy road that they affectionately called the Big Stone Strait, we eventually emerged up into this little hill community that was very reminiscent to me of the place that I had called home growing up. And we drove out and we, we looked and we saw the house where Pat had had grown up and spent her childhood we we saw the home where mommy and poppy bush lived and where grandma eden's grandma bush's mom had raised her we saw the church where they had attended and and we drove out to the end of this little community and we arrived sort of at the end of the hard road if any of you country people kind of know what that means is that well the the blacktop ended and we headed out a little gravel just a little more than a two track until we got to the family cemetery my children are blessed because they not only have one but they have two family cemeteries they can they can if if they would so choose they can go back to kioqui or they can go out on the hill at red house west virginia and they can trace their ancestors through headstones back five generations. The gift that Pat gave us that day, specifically that she gave my children, was that she told them their story. You get that? You see, if you ever want to learn how to tell a story, friends, find an old person with an accent. I'm not joking. How many of you had an old Dutch grandmother, right? Oh, they could tell you about the old country, couldn't they? You see, that's that's the thing that that we have these stories that 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 we just play a small part in, and 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 while we we seem to to be anchored in the here and now, the reality is is that we stand on the shoulders of people that have come before us. You see, friends, I wouldn't be where I am were it not for Conley and Melva who gave birth to a young man that they named Lonnie who married that little shank girl named Alberta who went by Bert. Believe it or not, I, my great-grandmother and her brother, Bert and Birdo, I don't know why <laughs> but then they had a gaggle of kids and, and Damon was their oldest son and God preserved him through the battle of the bulge and through the night jump behind enemy lines and while many of his fellow soldiers were hanging dead in trees he made it while they were pinned down While they were pinned down in one of the bloodiest battles of World War II, Damon got home and Damon started a family. And he had four kids and his oldest son had an oldest son who had an oldest son who teaches middle school band in Naperville, Illinois. You see, friends, we we come to a passage of Scripture here this morning, and we've actually been in a passage of Scripture for the last several weeks that has immense importance, not just for the children of Israel, but for us, because it's telling us, it's not just giving us rules and regulations. It is laying the foundation of God's redemptive story for us. It's telling us our story and it's not just a story that says be good and you'll get ahead it's a story that says this is the god who has rescued you from egypt Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 8 we we pick up what we've been talking about over the last several weeks and it says you must not make for yourself an idol or any kind of image of anything in the heavens, or on the earth, or in the sea. This morning I'm actually reading out of the New Living Translation, and I'm especially dry. And so I'm walking down here and I'm going to get a drink. Uh, because the NLT does a really good job of, of explaining some things. So that's, that's why I'm reading out of a, my non-usual translation today. Verse 9, you must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey, and obey my commands. Over the last several weeks we've we've intentionally crafted how we've walked through these these Ten Commandments because we, we wanted to get to this to this point of reminding each of us that this isn't just a rule book to follow, it's a story to be understood and embraced and and lived. We started a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago with the preamble, this this idea that that God, before he delivers the law, as he is hovering in the cloud and through the fire and the storm around the mountain, as he is speaking audibly to the children of Israel and then subsequently commanding Moses to to write these commands on a tablet, he says this, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. And we were reminded that God moves first. The next week we, we looked at, at, at the command in, in verse 7 where it says, Have no other gods before me. And, and, and we saw in this that, that there was a, a, a jealousy, a righteous fervor from God that he's, that he's telling these people who have been raised in a pantheistic, in, in a society where they believed that there were other gods, that He was the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of gods, that He was the top of the heap. In message number three, we, we skipped down and we talked about the Sabbath day and keeping it holy. We, we talked about how that connects to who God is and how He has created the world and, 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 and what He has done in fashioning and forming everything and how this story of God delivering His rules and His regulations, His commands to the people is a part of a larger story and cannot be separated from what God is doing through Moses to the children of Israel during this 40 years in the wilderness from the very beginning of time we laid out this hint and you may have picked it up or you may not have picked it up but the reality is is that the reason that this section of scripture is so foundational is because in a very real sense it is the foundational earthly context of the scriptures that we hold in our hands it was in this season That God begins to give as we have them the story of his redemptive pursuit of fallen humanity. This is the place and the space where Moses... Is used by God to begin to teach the children of Israel who he is and who they are. And today we settle in on these three short verses where it says, To make, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. We settle here because this tells us something specific that mattered not just for the children. Of Israel, but matters for us immensely today because it encapsulates the entire story of redemption that is embodied in the person of Jesus. The first thing, the first thing that we're reminded from this passage is this number one, that God is the creator and not a created thing. That God Himself is the creator and not a created thing. Don't make for yourself an image. Don't make for yourself an idol. Do not set a created thing in the place of the creator. Everything that you see, everything that you notice, everything that you hold in your hands, that you manipulate, the sun in the sky, the earth under your feet, the water that you drink, all of that is created by God. More on this in a minute and why this matters. The second thing that we see, moving into verse 9, we see here in verse 9 that it says, You must not bow down to them, meaning these idols or images or things that you make, or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, again, right, we translated this a little bit yesterday, I am your God, whose name is Yahweh, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affections for any other gods. The second thing that we're told in this passage of Scripture, right? The first is that God is the creator, not a created thing. The second thing is that do not give what is God's to something that he has made. If if we go back to Genesis chapter 3, folks, this is what we see Eve doing when she takes the fruit This is the temptation of the serpent to the woman and subsequently the man. He looks at her and he just changes one word. Did God really say? Right? And she looked at the fruit. She saw that it was good. And what did she decide to do in that moment? Adam and Eve both decided to do. They decided to take their own advice on what was right or what was wrong rather than listening to the command of God. They took for themselves the thing that God had said, this is mine alone. You want to know what sin is? It's when we take for ourselves what God has said is his. When we look at someone lustfully. When we bite and devour them. When we don't see them as the image bearer of God. We take for ourselves something that is not ours. When we're greedy or when we steal When we covet, we long for and take for ourselves something that is not ours. When we pass judgment on someone, we take for ourselves something that is not ours. We stand in the footprints of our first parents. You see, don't give what is God's to any created thing, even ourselves. The third thing that we see is that... It's here the second half of, of verse 9. It just says, I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children to the third and the fourth generation of those who reject me. Ooh, again, this is a hard one to to wrap our minds around. Why would God do something like that? Well, right, there's... there's, there's there's lots of questions that surround that. There's lots of ways that we could, we could attack or we can answer some of those questions. But the reality is God is doing something here. He's contrasting himself with the gods that they had worshipped in Egypt. He's talking about the reality here. And, and, and the Hebrews really sort of muddy and fuzzy here. And I think maybe a better way or the way that I would present it is that when we sin, friends, what we do is we buy temporary pleasure on credit and do you know who has to pay off that debt down the road it's our children when we sin when we fall prey to to sins of of addiction or greed or abuse or neglect when we fall prey to sins, those sins have consequences that carry on down the road and down the line. One of the things that I was thankful for and I was reminded of this week was how, and I've told you guys this before, but the reality is is that especially in my family, my mother grew up in a home where there was abuse and where there was neglect and where there was addiction. And all of those things were present, but somebody, one little girl drove a stake in the ground. And she was not perfect. And she still bore the scars of those uh, sins that were visited upon her. But the reality is, is that she stood her ground. And the sins of her parents were not visited upon her children the way that she had to bear them. The reality is, is that sin has a consequence. And I think what Moses, through God, through Moses is trying to say to the people in this passage. Is that not only is God the creator and not a created thing. He's not only telling them not to give what is God's to something that is created, but he's telling them that your God, whose name is Yahweh, is not like the gods of Egypt. He is different. He is other. And that brings us to this last movement here in verse 10. But I lavish, unfailing love, the text says. It's the chesed of God. The the God-shaped Love that comes from Him for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commandments. We're reminded in this moment that the reason we're not to worship any other thing is that there is no other thing, no other person besides God that is worthy of our worship. You see, my friends, an image is not a thing, a picture is not a person. A painting is not reality. Do not make an image. Do not worship those images because they are not the real thing. If we look at verse 22, that. Moses again brings this this back together, and he, he says this, and he, he talks about he 's talking about this what 's happened in the past and um, what happened around the mountain what 's happened with the tablets and, and, and there 's this admonition that is that is situated in the present. It says, the Lord spoke these words to all of you assembled there at the foot of the mountain, and he spoke with a loud voice from the heart of the fire, surrounded by the clouds and deep darkness and this Was all he said at the time, and he wrote his words on two stone tablets and gave them to me. This was in a very real way. One of the first encounters that the people had had with God that they recognized and they knew, but here was the thing that the story of their encounters with God had far preceded their encounter around the mountain. When they encountered him around the mountain, what happened? They were afraid and they did not want God to speak to them, and they sent Moses up the mountain. And then, when Moses was up the mountain for forty days, they they go to Aaron and they say, "We don't know what's happened to this fellow named Moses." Right? Their fear had caused them to distance themselves from God. When they got a glimpse of his might and his power and who he really was they realized that he was unlike the idols and the things that they had worshipped in Egypt that he could not be controlled he could not be corralled he was wild and free and he was bigger and more powerful than any of the gods that they had worshipped before and they didn't know what had happened to Moses because he had disappeared up this mountain. And what did they do? They did the very thing that they were told not to do. Two weeks ago, Noah pointed out something as we were preaching. And again, you may have, you may have missed it. It was just something that we hit really quickly and we, we moved on. But, but Noah pointed out that, that in the midst of the ten plagues, right? The ten strikes against Egypt. That what is clear looking back... And it may have not been clear to the Egyptians or the Israelites at that moment, but that each and every one of those plagues was a strike against one of the gods of the Egyptian pantheon. It's that God, the God of the mountain, the God that the people had heard speak, the God who had gotten them out of Egypt had shown them who he was and that he was greater and more powerful than any and all the gods of Egypt. And what they might have not known as they were, were getting out of Egypt is, is precisely the point of Moses' teaching of God's giving of the law in the 40 years of the desert. Because what they might have missed in the event of the exodus, they could not miss. When Moses, after this moment, after the exodus from Egypt, after the crossing from the Red Sea after the water from the rock after the encounter at the mountain after the debacle of the golden calf after the presentation of the tablets Moses spent the next 40 years teaching and telling these people who they were Teaching them who they were and telling them their story. I don't know how it went. But I imagine. I imagine in my mind's eye that there were times where Moses would write things down. and Or maybe he would dictate things and Joshua would write them down. Or there would be public readings or there would be conversations. Right? I, I kind of imagine how we hear our stories from our Ancestors. I, I I I wonder if it was kind of like. And again, I'm not saying that Moses had dementia. Don't think that he did. But when my grandfather was was right toward the end of his life, if you could keep him talking, right. You could keep him in the moment. You could keep him telling stories. I wonder if it was, it was kind of like that, is that people would sit around and, and Moses and some of the other elders and Joshua, they would begin to tell the people their story. And, and, and part, I think, of what we forget, you guys, is that the Genesis story, Genesis 1, this is the context of the delivery of that story, not the event context. The event context was thousands of years earlier, but the reality is, is that the, these people are hearing that Genesis story. they not through oral history but it's being written down and given to them during this season and this is what they're hearing they're hearing this story and, and, and after they've received this law and after they have heard that, that right, they're not to make any images why? because God's not a created thing they're not to make any images because you're not supposed to give to a created thing that which belongs only to God. They're, they're hearing all of these, these these things. And and it's rooted in this story of, of Moses and probably the other elders sitting down and, and telling them this story. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void. And the chaos waters covered the surface of the deep. Now here's something that may, may sort of shake us or rattle us a little bit, but you know, that part of the story probably wouldn't have been much of a surprise. Well, why do you say that, Dennis? Because that's almost exactly how the story of creation in the Egyptian creation myth starts. But here's the difference. The difference is, is key, and it's not Subtle. Is that in this period, God is delivering the true story of the whole world to his people. And what he is telling them is that the God who got you out of Egypt is the God who created all things. And the gods that you thought that you were worshiping in Egypt. The gods who likely adorned the door frames of your houses. They are not gods. They're creations that all bow to me. If you take the time to, to look back, right, I, I imagine that the, the little hand shoots up, right? Inquisitive little kid, right? Inquisitive junior hire, I don't know, maybe his name is Tice, and maybe he yells out, I want dinner rolls, um, in the midst of, <laughs> love you, bro, right? He was like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, Moses, what, 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 what Elohim? What Elohim created the heavens and the earth Moses, right? Chuckles to himself. Was it wait, was it was it Nu? The chaos god of Egypt that no 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 no. No no no. Nu is not a god. Nu is a thing that worships the god. And as he marches through day after day, what's amazing to me, friends, is that as we look at the Genesis account of creation in Genesis 1, it lines up one for one, day for day with the Egyptian creation account. I am not making this up. What Moses is doing in this moment, what God is delivering to his people is not necessarily, it isn't scientific education, it's worldview and theological formation, that this This is the God who has gotten you out of Egypt. He created the light. Wait a minute. What did Ra do? No, no, no. Ra is a created thing that bows to the creator. He is simply, it is simply an image that points to and worships the one true God. As he marches down through day one the creation of light he shows that the highest god of the pantheon of Egypt bows down and worships your Elohim whose name is yod Hey vav He. That the sky and the moisture right? That shoe. And Tefnut. They are not gods. But they bow down. That Geb. And Horus. And Osiris. And all the other gods of the pantheons. Are simply images. That are not to be worshipped. But declare the might and the power. Of the one true God. As Moses is giving the law, friends. He's doing this not to present rules and regulations, but to tell the people their story. This is who God is. And this is what He has done. The things that you are tempted to worship aren't God's in themselves. Newsflash. Even the human things that you're tempted to worship aren't gods in themselves. Pharaoh was not a god. Moses was not a god. Could I say to us this morning your, your spouse is not a god, your children are not gods? God is jealous, God is fervently protective of his right to be worshipped. But as the worship team comes, friends, here's this a last thing that I want to tell you about the God, the God who got our first parents, who created our first parents, who who got our Hebrew mothers and fathers out of slavery in Egypt, that God is also good. Don't forget this, is that the gods of Egypt will treat you one way. They are petty and they are cruel. The gods of this world, my friends, are petty and cruel. And the reality is, is that when we bow down and we worship any other thing, that that is sin. And that sin affects our children and our children and our children's children. The consequences of those sins sometimes have long memories. But that is not so with your God, whose name is Yahweh. Your God gives grace and unfailing love and mercy what to three generations to four generations To five To ten No, to thousands of generations You see, as much as sin can affect and can rob us The reality is Is all the things that this world calls us to worship To put in God's place God is exponentially and infinitely better Than any and all of those things And his unfailing love doesn't give up. And it doesn't relent. And it doesn't rest. And Joel, even while we sleep, he's at work. Even while we look around and we say, Lord, how much longer are you going to leave us in Egypt? It's been generation after generation. He's not forgotten because God just isn't a promise maker. Friends, He's a promise keeper. And when the prodigal is far off, when our hearts are heavy, And when we weep and when we mourn and when we long for the day when things will be set right the truer and better Jesus Christ has come and said there's hope why because of the one true god has come and made his dwelling among us that he has incarnated himself taken upon taken upon Flesh and changed everything. And he's faithful. And he's true. And he pursues. And friends, I don't know where you find yourself this morning. I don't know whether you, you find yourself in a space where, where God feels far away or, or whether you find yourself maybe in a space where where you feel like, Lord, I've just, I've, I've, maybe I've done too much. Never, ever, ever forget this. God's grace and his mercy and his unfailing love are thousands of times more powerful than your sin. Maybe you, friends, find yourself captured in that generation. Maybe you look back, and, I, and, and, and folks, it breaks my heart, but maybe you had a crappy upbringing. Maybe your dad was an alcoholic. Maybe you've experienced neglect and abuse. Maybe, maybe fo- the folks that should have protected you have not protected you. Can I, can I give you a little bit of hope? We have choices to make in our own life too. And while we may always be affected by the sins of our ancestors and the sins of our past, maybe it will always carry on just a little bit. The reality is, is that we can drive stakes in the ground and we can say no more. And there can be hope because God's grace, God's love, God's power is so much greater than our sins. Amen. amen so father we pray now for these friends we we thank you for your love and your mercy we thank you for your grace and we pray now that you would meet us in this space the way we need to be met in Jesus mighty name we pray amen
1: I'm standing on your faithfulness, on your faithfulness. I'm calling on the God of Mary, whose favor I assume on the Lord. Things are possible. I'm calling on the God of David who made a shepherd boy courageous. I may not face Goliath, but I've got my own diet. So, God, my God, I need you. Oh, God, my God, I need you now. How oh, I need you now. Oh, rock, oh, rock of ages, I'm standing on your faithfulness. On your faithfulness.
0: make these next words our prayer this morning as we remember what the Lord has done you heard your children then you
1: hear your children now you are the same God you are the same God you answered prayers back then and you will answer now you are the same god you are the same god you are providing you are providing now you are the same god you are the same god you moved in power then. god move in power now you are the same god You are the mighty river, come and fill me again. Come and fill me again. Come and fill
2: So, as our stories are being written, the stories that will one day be told to the next generation, to the next, and to the next, let us not take what is his, but steward well what he has given to us. May our stories be stories that others want to tell rather than forget. May our stories be those that honor the Lord as his image bearers, the ones who reflect his glory and majesty throughout this earth. The beautiful stories that tell of the grace and the love and the forgiveness and the freedom that only the one true God can provide. And in the words of Jude, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, And to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Sunrise, go in his grace and his peace today.